Appreciate those that are visiting with us. We're delighted that you've come to be with us. I invite you to get your Bibles and follow along as we study from the Word of the Lord. And we hope and trust as we look into the Scriptures that we will be benefited and that we will, uh, of course, find things that will help us. We invite your attention to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll be reading verses 11 through the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 6 and verses uh, 11 through the end of the chapter. The writer says, And we desire that every one of you do show forth the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will bless you, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he attained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is to them uh, the end of all strife. Wherein God was willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, he might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and that which enters into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner for us has entered, even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In particular, I want you to notice the phrase there in verse 18, who have fled for refuge. That's our focus uh, here this morning, is to talk about this refuge that we have in Christ Jesus. It is the hope in Christ Jesus. It is the consolation and the comfort that we find in Christ Jesus and the hope that he gives us. And that's what we want to talk about. First off, when we talk about the word refuge, let's just define what we mean by the word refuge. Uh, refuge means protection or shelter as from danger or hardship. A place providing protection or shelter, a source of help, relief or comfort in times of trouble. So there we have the definition of this word refuge. And uh, when we think about refuge, uh, you know, uh, there are various things that can be dangerous in the world that we live in. Uh, and I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. And uh, in Ecuador, I've, I've actually seen this in other uh, Latin American countries also, uh, route of evacuation. And this sign, this route of evacuation, in particular, I think near the city of Embato, er, near Baños, which is kind of, kind of at the base of an uh, active volcano, well, at times active volcano, volcano called the Tungaragua. And the Tungaragua is pretty, pretty high. It's around 16,000 feet, so the top of it has snow on it, snow and ice. And, of course, you know, the snow and ice just sort of stays up there. It stays cold. Uh, the sun sometimes melts some of it off, uh, and then it gently flows down. But when you have a volcano erupting, and sometimes the Tungaragua will erupt, and you take that hot lava and you put that on the snow and ice, it melts very rapidly. And so water, when snow and ice becomes water, then of course gravity pulls it down, and so there's lots of signs, the route of evacuation, that is to, you need to be looking for some refuge, a place of shelter. Because, you know, rock and ash and, and all that's going to come rumbling down. And so you need a place of refuge. Well, even so, when we talk about living here on planet Earth, there are going to be times where we're going to need refuge. 
And why do we need to flee for refuge? Well, got a bunch of reasons. Sometimes we're going to have trials that we're going to face. Various kinds of trials. Trials spiritually, trials physically, trials in our family, trials with our health, etc. Uh, tribulations, sometimes tribulations come our way. And then sometimes we'll find troubles, all kinds of troubles. Like I got up and thought, well, I go out and start the, uh, the, the escape. Uh, well, because of the day, the battery is down. Well, the battery is down again. So looks like going to be replacing the battery. You just can't trust that. Once you, once you start having problems, the battery gets old. It's like uh, you're not going to trust that no more. So we have troubles that come our way. Heartaches. Various heartaches will come living on planet Earth. Sometimes it'll be in family. Sometimes it'll be at work. Sometimes it can be with neighbors, etc. Uh, oh, the storms of life, and sometimes they come. They come very strong, literal storms that we have to deal with, and sometimes other storms that come our way. Uh, sickness, and uh, that happens uh, sometimes. Even when we're young, we get sick. Sometimes it can be very severe sickness that will come our way. And uh, I was, uh, uh, well, there was a brother over in the Philippines, and he was talking about being a month, a young man, a month and seven days in the hospital. And so it can happen even to the, uh, to the young. Uh, disappointments can come our way. We can be disappointed about various things that happen in our life. And then abuses, it could be physical abuse, it could be verbal abuse, it could be uh, spiritual abuse, it could be sexual abuse. Uh, you think about temptations, temptations, they yet will come uh, as we live on planet Earth. The devil, maybe he may flee, but he always comes back and he'll come at another angle to try to tempt us into wrongdoing. Sorrows and things that make us sad and tragedies. Uh, uh, that befall us living here on planet earth. Toils, we have various toils, toils with, with, uh, with problems of health, toils with, with, uh, 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 at work and uh, challenges that we, we face in everyday life. Uh, death, and death comes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a fact of living that we're someday going to die. And then burdens, various burdens come our way. Maybe burdens upon our mind, burdens physically, burdens spiritually. Various pains afflicts us from time to time, sometimes very severe, sometimes more dull, uh, continuous pain, sharp pains. Uh, neglect, sometimes people have to suffer neglect because of uh, the way people treat us. And then oppressions. And so you look at this long list of things, and there are going to be times where we'll need refuge. We're going to need a place of protection. We're going to need some comfort. We're going to need some consolation. And the writer speaks about that in this text, that we have that in Christ Jesus, that we have one, and that we have hope that gives balance to the world that we live in and helps give us sense of the world that we're living in. And so we're going to need refuge from time to time. And uh, uh, especially when these various problems and trials and tribulations and storms that come our way. So that brings us to the next question. Well, how, how, do, how do we get this, re this refuge that the writer talks about here in Hebrews chapter 10? 
uh, Hebrews chapter 6 there. Well, how do we get it? Well, first off, it doesn't come automatically. It doesn't just boom, and there you have it. No, we, uh, it doesn't come automatically. It says there in verse 18 that we have to lay hold on it. We have to make a choice. It's not just simply uh, coming into the assembly of the saints. There's a choice that we have to make. He says to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. And when we lay hold, we take a hold of it, it is something that we make a choice about. Not that it just comes automatically. Well, our parents are Christian. You know, our grandparents are Christian. And so it just sort of automatically just transfers right on down. Or we have family members. Or we have a spouse that's a uh, child of God. No! Each of us have to lay hold of this hope that is set before us that the writer speaks about here. And that begins, of course, by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice there in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into, his gra- into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, we have to accept it by faith. That is that we take a hold of it, we lay a hold of it by putting our faith And when we talk about biblical faith, saving faith is an obedient faith. It's an active faith. It's not just saying, well, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. No, it's more than just saying, I believe in God. It's that we believe God. We believe what he says and we act upon what he says. And we lay hold on this and we take a hold of the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Notice there in Romans 8 and verse 24, uh, Paul says, For we are saved by hope. Hope saves us, but we have to lay hold on that hope. How? Well, by faith and obedience, by coming to Christ Jesus. Uh, but hope that, is, uh, uh, hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees. What does he yet hope for? And so we don't yet see it. We see it by the eyes of faith. And so we lay hold uh, on this, uh, this hope by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that takes place, of course, in obeying the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. And then we have to be steadfast, just like we were studying in the Bible class, that the early Christians that were baptized there in Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly. They were persevering. They were devoted. They were dedicated. And we have to, of course, continue to serve the Lord. Notice there in Colossians 1 and verse 23, Paul says, if you continue in the faith, So we have to get in the faith. We have to get a hold of this gospel. We have to take hold of Christ Jesus through faith and obedience. And if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, you see, we can fall away. We can leave the Lord. We can let go of Christ Jesus. No, we have to lay hold on him and we have to cling to the Lord. If you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature who is under heaven, uh, of which I, Paul, am made a minister. So we heard of this message, this hope that is in Christ Jesus, that gives us refuge, that gives us protection, that gives us consolation, that gives us comfort, that gives us peace and tranquility. That helps give balance in the world and helps us to uh, manage to deal with the trials, the tribulations, the persecutions, the the oppressions, the, the neglect, the temptations, the problems that come living here on planet earth is found in Christ Jesus. You see, it is set before us that you lay hold on the hope that is set before us. And what's that hope? 
is eternal life, is a home in heaven, is to receive a glorified immortal body in the world to come. Because we know one thing for sure, we're not going to live on planet Earth permanently. We live here temporarily. This world is temporal. This world is just for a little time. It's only for a few years that we live, and then we will pass away. Then we will pass away. I mean, you think about Jacob when, when Pharaoh said, well, how old are you? And he says that his life was 137 years, and he says, few and evil. A 137-year-old man says, well, my life has been few. The days have been few. You just look back over your life, whatever age you are. And up next month, I'll be 66. I look back and say, like, how, how can I be 66? And yet you, you look back, your life, your life just passes by quickly. That's the world we live in, and it happens for all of us. And uh, so we need to take a hold of this refuge and look forward to this home with God, this eternal life that's mentioned here. All right. We have fled for refuge. Now, what does this refuge do for us? Well, as we look there at uh, there in Hebrews chapter 6, what does he say? That it brings consolation, that it brings comfort? Is that what he said? Well, not exactly. He didn't say that it brings consolation. No, he says it brings a strong consolation. Uh-oh, that was a mix-up there. <laughs> oh, I should have checked that. Yeah, sometimes when you, when you change computers, the, the, the fonts might be a little different. Well, anyway. Just move that word strong over a little bit. <laughs> so what do we have? Do we have consolation? Yeah, but we have a strong comfort. We have a strong consolation. And that's interesting when you look at these two words. First off, you look at the word strong, it means forcible. We have a forcible, we have a mighty consolation or a mighty comfort or powerful, strong, not weak, but a very strong consolation of this comfort that we have. And then if you look at the word consolation or comfort or encouragement, solace, comfort, literally it means to call near. That's literally what the word comes from, to call near. It'd be like, like Mr. Reed down here. So he's, he's outside, running, running, running on the concrete, on the sidewalk, and he falls down, and he scrapes his knee, and he's crying. I mean, what's Logan or Lexi or, or Brian or Stacy? Hey, get up from there. I mean, be a, be a big boy. Just get up from there. No, that's not what, what parents do, grandparents do. No, they, they call, Marie, come here, poor baby, and you call them near. Well, why do you call children near? Well, to give them hugs and kisses and talk to them and pet on them and bring consolation, to bring some encouragement, bring some solace, a little peace. A little comfort in their lives. That, that's why you call them near. And that's the word that's used here when it talks about our hope in Christ Jesus, that it brings this strong comfort and encouragement, this, this solace, this, this peace and tranquility. In the midst of trials, in the midst of storms, we dwell about our hope and the promises in Christ Jesus, and it just, it just brings some comfort and peace in our hearts and minds. And that's what he's talking about here. And that's what it does for us, that it brings this strong consolation for us. Notice there in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings, didn't say suffering singular, for I reckon that the sufferings, 
plural of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Do we have sufferings? Do we have afflictions in this world? Yeah, we do. Sometimes people make fun of us. Sometimes people hurt our feelings. Sometimes difficulties come. Sometimes we have painful things. We have sorrows. We have heartaches. We have tragedies that we have to deal with. But what we see when we look in view of eternity, what we suffer in this world is only temporary. It doesn't last forever and ever. What we have for, what we look for, the glory to come, well, that's eternity of the bliss that we will have. Look there in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 16 through 18. Paul says, for which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He says, for our light affliction. What's our light affliction? Well, the afflictions here on planet earth, the sufferings on planet earth, the, while we're living in the tabernacle of flesh here. He says, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are not seen, but the things which are, uh, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, we look at death. We look at funerals. We look at hospitals. We look at doctors. We look at uh, surgeries. We look at medicine. We look at chemotherapy. We, we look at the problems of planet Earth. We see them, but they're temporal. That's what Paul says. We look to heaven. We think about the mansions above. We think about living with God. We think about a glorified body. We think about being with the angels. We think about being in the presence of God himself before the very throne of God, being with all the faithful in eternity. The things that are not seen. Now those are eternal, Paul talks about in this text. And there in verse 17, he talks about afflictions. Now he calls them light. And in contrast to light, he talks about uh, that uh, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The glory to come is an, uh, uh, an eternal weight of glory. I mean, how, how much would we suffer here on planet Earth? Uh, let's, let's suppose we obey the gospel at a, uh, 16 years old. And, and we live 86, that's, that's only 70 years. Maximum 70 years. That might be a few more years than that. And a lot of us may not even make it to 86. But let's just assume you obey the gospel at 16 and you make it to 86. That's only 70 years of suffering. What's that to eternity? I mean, is God promising us 700 years of glory in heaven? No. Is he talking about 7,000 years? No. Is it 70,000 years? Is it 700,000 years in, in, in eternity in heaven? No. Is it 7 million? Is it 70 million? Is it 700 million? No. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why Paul talks about an eternal weight of glory. So when you begin to think about, you know, the sufferings of this world and we think about the eternal weight of glory, it sort of puts things in, in, in perspective and gives us encouragement. It gives us great consolation. It gives us great uh, solace to think about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said there in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if, if only in this life we have hope, we're of all men most miserable. I mean, there's something more than what this world has to offer. Being a Christian is not uh, just for the here and now. We're looking for the eternal weight of glory. 
And then notice back in our text once again there in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. After he talks about that, we lay hold of the hope that's set forth. He says there in verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. He says this hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that we, that we flee for refuge, that gives us refuge. He says it's an anchor of the soul. Not for the body, but for the soul, for the inward man, for the spiritual part of man. It brings great uh, solace and comfort and blessing of, as an anchor of the soul. Now, what's the purpose of an anchor? Right. Years ago, I was invited to go preach uh, over in Hawaii to uh, uh, Anthony Gent was over there at the time. And anyway, so during, the, well, we had morning classes. And in between, when we had a little time, we did a little sightseeing uh, while I was over there in Hawaii. And we went down to Pearl Harbor. And this is the anchor of the USS Arizona that was sunk on, on December 7th, 1941. And even the ship lies there in the harbor. And that was the anchor of the Arizona. It's big. The battleship was pretty big. And the purpose of these anchors is to kind of hold a boat in water in place. I mean, if you're going to stop, you need to put an anchor down because the waves or the wind or whatever could cause you to wreck into the, into the beach or into rocks or something else. And, and so the anchor sort of maintains your position where you're at. And that's what the writer is saying about our hope in Christ Jesus. It holds us where we need to be, that is, in faithfulness to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That we're not going to give it up, we're not going to throw in the towel, we're not going to listen to the, the invitations of the devil. Come on, come on, come on, come on over here to the casino, whoa, have fun, look, come down here to the bar, hey, try these drugs, try, try this alcohol, whatever. Trying to entice us to leave the Lord and follow the ways of humanity and the pleasures of sin. No. The anchor of the soul is like, no, I, I, I'm on the road getting to heaven. I don't, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to turn away from this. And so it helps us maintain our position in Christ Jesus. And that is to just keep serving him. It's an anchor of the soul. And uh, anyway, that's what our refuge does for us. It brings this great comfort and consolation and keeps us where we need to be. That is, we want to stay with the Lord because you're going to be a winner with Christ. You leave the Lord, you will be an absolute loser and we will lose in eternity. All right. So why is our refuge so sure and steadfast? That's what the writer says there. He says that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong encouragement or strong consolation. Why? Why is this both sure and steadfast? Well, these two uh, immutable or unchangeable things. And what are these unchangeable things that we can put and rest and have total confidence in? First off, because God made a promise. That's what he said there in verse 13, that God made a promise to Abraham. That in your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. That is the promise of the Messiah, Christ Jesus. And so God made a promise. And when God makes a promise, it's impossible for God to lie. That's what the verse says there in verse 18. He says, in which it is impossible. He didn't say, well, probably God doesn't lie. Well, likely that God won't lie. Maybe he won't lie. No, it's impossible for God to lie. So that's one unchangeable thing. God said that he's going to give us blessings in Christ Jesus. 
We can count it because God said it. And not only that, the second immutable thing, and that is it was based on an oath. And that is that God confirmed the promise with an oath to Abraham. And you read about that in Genesis chapter 22, where God with an oath swore by himself, because there was no greater, that he's going to fulfill this promise that he made to Abraham. And both those things are sure and steadfast. They're not going to change. God doesn't lie. And when God makes an oath, you can, you can write on it. He's going, to, he's going to carry it out. He's made the promise, and we can bank on that. It's sort of like, uh, you know, you can bank with trust with, you know, give some name, some bank there. You can bank on it. That is just something you can put confidence in. And it's sort of like sunrise and sunset. I mean, when we go to bed tonight and it's dark, and when we wake up in the morning, you know, we're thinking, well, I wonder if there's going to be sun. Well, assuming the world stands, is, is the sun going to rise tomorrow? I mean, do you, do you, do you, anybody remember, I think, I think it was, what, what, I think it was like 2000, 2011, I think it was in September, where, you know, the, the sun stayed up for like 24 hours that day. Do y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? No, you don't remember because it, it didn't happen. <laughs> because the sun comes up and the sun goes down. Every day. It's, it's been that way all my life. We have a sun, sunrise in the morning and we have a sunset at night. It's always been like that. And will always be like that. And it's the same with the change of seasons. You know, it was pretty chilly this morning, but hey, it's going to kind of warm back up here in the next few days because we're getting closer to spring. You know, sometimes you're getting in the dead of winter and think, man, is it ever going to warm up? Yeah, it's going to warm up. And sometimes in the dog days of August and it's hot and it's like, whoo, are we ever going to get relief from all this heat and humidity? Yep. Fall will come. You can just count on it. We have the change of seasons. We have winter. We're about ready to go into spring. And then there's summer. And then there's fall. And then there's winter. And then there's spring. And it just continually changes like that. And it's kind of like gravity. I mean, would we need to get some... Uh, I've got to roll that yellow caution tape. Would we need to, like, cordon off... Uh, uh, this area here because there's, there's no gravity. Don't, don't be walking up here in this corner of the building because there's no gravity and you'll just float up and bump your head right up on the ceiling. Is, is there a place like that on planet Earth? Well, no. Gravity's everywhere. We, 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 we take full confidence that there's going to be gravity. We're just like, whoa, I don't know whether I need to step over on this area. I'm not sure if there's gravity. Well, we know there's, gra there's gravity everywhere because we live on planet Earth. Those are things that we put 100% confidence in. And so it is when we talk about Christ Jesus and the hope of the gospel described in the word of the Lord, we can put 100% confidence. God is going to bring it to pass. He's promised it. He's promised us eternal life through Christ Jesus. And we can bank on that. We can trust in that. That God's going to do exactly what he says. And that he has the power to raise us from the dead. And he has the power to give us this eternal life that we read about in the scriptures. Ah, who have uh, fled for refuge. All right, our refuge is made possible because of Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus is our forerunner. Notice what it says there in verse 22. Where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is, Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and showed himself for 40 days, he ascended back on high. He ascended to heaven, into the very presence of God, there to present his blood sacrifice before the throne of God in order that we might uh, have 
total complete forgiveness in his and and uh, uh, his blood uh, when we come to him through the gospel. He's our forerunner. Well, what's a forerunner? Sort of like well, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but you know the State of the Union and uh, where the president comes in before the joint session of. Uh, senators, congressmen, uh, usually Supreme Court justices and military leaders and all that. Before the president comes in, there's somebody that goes before. And hear ye, hear ye, the president of the United States. And then the president comes walks in. That, that fellow that announces, he, he's, he's, the, he's the forerunner. He, he goes before. And that's what Jesus is. He's gone before into heaven for us. Notice there in uh, John chapter 14. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. All right, so Jesus says, I'm going. And we read in Acts chapter 2 that he went back to heaven. And what? look at this promise in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He's made the promise, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm coming again. Now we know the fact of his coming, and we know the matter of his coming. He's going to come in his glory, he's going to come with all the holy angels. We just don't know when he's coming. It could be, could, could be this week, don't know. Could, could be even tonight. Could be next year, could be the next decade, don't know. But we know he's coming because he's promised that he's coming. And we can count on his promises. He's our uh, precursor. He's, he's blazed, blazed the way into heaven itself. And you contrast Jesus, our high priest, that he goes into the most holy place that is in heaven itself. And you see a contrast with the Old Testament uh, priest. Notice there in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, the writer says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, that is the physical temple there in Jerusalem, no, which are figures or types or shadows of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself uh, often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. That is, the, in, the, in, in the Mosaic law, they went in once a year into the most holy place with the blood of others in the annual day of atonement. For then must he have offered uh, often, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once... And that word once means one time for all time. Now, one time for all time, uh, at the end of the age, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We're anticipating the come, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the faithful... For the followers of Jesus, we have the promise of life everlasting. You see, Calvary makes it possible that we can have this beautiful refuge, this hope in Christ Jesus of a home in heaven, to be reconciled to God, to be once again made right with God, to find forgiveness and have this blessed hope of a home in heaven in the world to come. That's where we take refuge, is in Christ Jesus and the hope of the gospel. So the question is, for you, have you laid hold on this hope? You have to lay hold on it. By hearing the gospel of Christ, by believing in Jesus with all your heart, willing to obey his command to repent, to confess your faith before man, and to be baptized for the remission of sins. Those are the steps to become. That's how we, that's the preliminary steps to take hold of Christ Jesus and to become his child. 
these steps that are outlined. And we get verses for all of them, and we give other verses too. But those, that's, what, that's the pattern you see in the book of Acts, of people being converted to Christ Jesus. And then to walk in newness of life, be faithful unto death, and if we do err, come back through repentance and prayer. We're going to sing this song of encouragement. If there's one here that needs to obey the gospel, we can help in any way. You come and let us know. We'll be happy to assist you. Walk together as we stand and as we sing.